Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yo, yo, yo. Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Something just came over me just then. Okay, kill on everyone. And <laughs> welcome back to Culture Vulture, your bona fide favourite pop culture podcast where, <laughs> where we may have just blown your eardrums. Laura, um, talk to us about how you are, maybe. <laughs> well, Luz, I think what you're asking is what describes my week. And this week, everyone... It's the high-low. Um, oh. Not the high-low, which was my favorite podcast when it was running. Um, but I have tonsillitis, um, and it's really not great. Um, and I think Luce's intro there just made me blow one of my tonsils. <laughs> like, to tell you, to give you all a little behind the scenes, before this, Laura had literally gotten off of a phone call or a online doctor's appointment and had to take a photo of her tonsils and you all know we've all been there when your throat's basically like white and pussy and it's disgusting sorry for that word yeah that word um yeah sense i'm assuming it's high low because you've also just like done one of the most gorgeous hollabobs i've ever seen this is the thing we can't we can't complain because she's back from hollabobs and i went to mallorca to live my love island dream and it was and also the high low is probably a great way to describe that as well. It was probably the most, I mean, Stanley Tucci like called it the most beautiful place he's ever been to and the man has seen the world. And the water was just... The water. The water. This is, I mean, I'm thinking I wrote about this in the newsy, but this is melodramatic, but I literally got into the sea and we were also the only people swimming because the ocean was so cold. We got Kiwis. into the ocean and I almost cried. I hadn't been in the ocean in a year. Oh. It, oh, seriously, oh. it was the way that it even looked amazing on camera. Like when you put it in the newsletter, I, I was like, no way does this ever turn out this good Like when you've taken a photo of it. Honestly, it was the most beautiful place. However, when I was telling everyone at work that I was going to Mallorca, I definitely got some looks that were a little bit like, oh, you trashy though? Kiwi. Yes, which I discovered on the plane over is warranted. I sat next to maybe like three groups of like 16 girls, guys, stag dudes, hens, like lads trips. And it was the most chaotic, like easy jet flight I've been on in my life. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, <laughs> when you said... Um, I went to Spain. I was like, oh, my God, gorgeous, relaxing, sleepy. And then just then on the podcast, I didn't realize it was Mallorca that you went to. Mallorca. <laughs> okay, like, girl was partying it up. Well, because wasn't it for girl was Tucci Light's birthday? It was. And he's turned an age that I don't care to, like, talk about on the podcast. <laughs> but I, I was having some slight issues with it. So the holiday was also for me. Yes. Um, <laughs> Laura has the most beautiful partner and the husband, the most beautiful husband in the world. <laughs> We get on every week at least once the age comes up and I don't give a fuck because I think it's like really cool and hot and you're like 
hey, existential. I needed a holiday for a birthday. I needed actually, mummy needs to go to Mallorca. So. I love me having never met Tootsie Light in real life, being like, what? I, I know. We did a FaceTime once. Well, not me and him. Me and you and him. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, everybody. One day we'll get him on the pod so everyone can yeah, meet him. But um, in the in, for the sake of time, Luz, what oh, describes yeah. your week? Um, people can probably tell what describes my week is turbo, a word that Belle uses all the time that I feel like really does describe me at the moment. Um, been doing quite a few speaking events, which unfortunately, because I have no fucking self-restraint, have turned into like huge get to know all the other speakers and get really hammered on Mezcal and have a three-day hangover um, <laughs> events. And that's fine. But I was telling Ruby the other day, thank God we have – like I, I do not take this job for granted at all because it was so unprofessional how hungover I was on like Friday. I was like, Ruby, I actually – I'm in bed. I can send one newsletter and everything else I'll do on the weekend. And she was like, Lucy, I do not care. Obviously, we don't put pressure on each other. We just, like, do what we need to do. But I was, like, unprofessionally hungover. So, anyway, that was turbo. Well, oh, my God. What was it like moving, meeting the other speakers? Because I feel like you've said before, it's always, like, people can be clicky or people can be... This was a good one because I feel like in influencer land, if I'm ever brought in to speak at, like, like say, for example, I did an event for Meta, it was interesting because everyone has seen you know, all these other speakers online and they know what they're like and or they feel like they know what like, they're like and they recognise them, they can go up to them. We don't put our faces online so you always feel a little bit like, ooh, no one actually knows who I am so people aren't really going to talk to me till they've seen me on stage or whatever. But then at events like this, which was like industry, like talking about like, I don't know, the media and the future and AI and stuff like that, it's not so much about what you look like and how you present yourself online. It's more about, like, what you think. And so I always find speakers that always are quite a bit older than me, which, bless, if you're listening, love you all. Um, but it means that they have so much wisdom to give me mm. and also they're really interested in what we do because it's, like, so fresh. And so I always prefer the more, like, intellectual, businessy ones yeah. than the, like, who follows you, like, how many followers do you have type of thing. I feel like we need to get you a TED Talk. Are the TED people listening? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Are the TED people listening? And anyway, so Turbo, because I am off to Sydney tomorrow, just received my flights this morning, so I haven't been able to, like, plan it for another speaking event for TikTok, actually. It's going to be interesting. I feel like all the big social media companies are just like, shit you should care about. Boom, you know things. This is amazing. Yeah, and then... um. The week after, Rose and I are going to New York, so I'm talking at a thing called the World Congress of News Media. So I'm just like turbo, 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 crazy, exciting. The World <laughs> Congress of News Media. What even is that? It sounds, it sounds like Parliament. <laughs> it sounds like the New York Times want to understand Gen Z. So... <laughs> Anyway, all of this to say, haven't written a single thing for what I'm going to present about yet. Um, but I, what is it, fly by the something of my own something? She's going to fly by the seat of her pants, I think is what you <laughs> Does that mean you just like take it as it comes and just like... I think so, but also the word pants, I feel like I've got myself into trouble so many times here because I say pants when I'm like, oh, I love your pants. But that is like underwear oh, here. Underwear. And the number of times... The number of times I've got to look. Do you know what else I thought? It's like, my mum used to call underwear knickers, and I don't think I've ever called them knickers. I think that's a generational, like, difference. My mum called them knickers too. Yeah, do you? <laughs> no. 
Yeah, see? Like, I feel like knickers just got taken out of the zeitgeist and now none of us used to wear Okay, we'll, we'll use it as a mundane poll. <laughs> yeah, I actually think I will. Um, also, saw Jason Momoa on um, Saturday night. He's so gorgeous. How was The Fast and Furious? Was it your favourite one you've ever watched? <laughs> um, it was the second one I've ever watched and they're like really cheesy. I see how people like them, but they're really cheesy and too action-packed that I'm like, give me some relationships, give me some character development. Have you seen that video on like how the name of each one of them is just like plucked out of thin air? And it's like <laughs> one's one called, called Fast and Furious. X. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's no cohesiveness. Like, no, no. But anyway. Anyway, naughty or nice, Luz? Oh, shit. Naughty or nice. Um, This is what I need to do. Naughty or nice. Okay, this is mostly just an update on uh, what we talked about last time, which has been a few weeks. Oh, because, and I'm sure you've all heard, last week interviewed Ronald Gladden from Jury Duty. Oh, I can't think about it. No, he was so cute. I know. They told me the night before, hey, do you want to interview Ron the next day? I was like, yes, I do, but... She's a professional, everyone. <laughs> Luckily, Laura was away, so I was just like, well, I didn't even have an episode planned, so that's great. <laughs> anyway, this week, just letting you all know, Ed Sheeran won his court case. Um, you wow. know that last week or two weeks ago we spoke about how he had gone to court to basically argue that he didn't copy Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On song. You can go and hear all the context for that and the episode two weeks ago, but basically um, the jury ruled that he was not liable for copyright infringement and this is kind of good for Ed because he had said that if he lost the case he was stopping music because he finds it really insulting to devote his whole life to being a performer and a songwriter and then have someone diminish it. Um, I said last week on the podcast, I think honestly that's fair enough because cases like this I think are getting maybe more and more ridiculous after the Blurred Lines case sort of was ruled in favour of the person that took them to court. Um, Anyway, he also said, I am obviously very happy with the outcome of the case and it looks like I'm not having to retire from my day job after all. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm unbelievably frustrated that baseless claims like this are allowed to go to court at all. And he said it was devastating to be accused of stealing someone else's song and called himself, and this kind of makes me cringe, but he called himself just a guy with a guitar who loves writing music for people to enjoy. Sorry, as soon as you put out Shape of You, I think you like went into, um, like, like, I think you moved on. You sort of wanted, I think you wanted the cash. Like, he's like, no, it's famously not a good song. Um, and then he said he'll never He's allow himself. He's just a guy with a guitar loose. <laughs> Give him a break. No, but Laura, he will never allow himself, except for Shape of You and the last two albums, to be a piggy bank for anyone to shake. So <laughs> there is that from Ed Sheeran. Really happy that he won his case, um, but also I think there's like taking the humbleness too far at yeah. the point where like you're incredibly rich and, you know. It, just it, a guy it, with a guitar. I mean, speaking of music loose, are we going to talk about Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy. Well, that's my next. I was just about to say <gasps> that was a nice story. And this, Taylor and Maddie, I like don't. I mean, there's that many people covering it. I'm not going to give you all like a timeline of mm-hmm. Taylor and Maddie, but I just thought I'd gauge our thoughts on Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy because after sitting with it, I'm really into it. I need you to basically give me a recap very quickly of the timeline okay. because I knew very little and then I got shown a TikTok video 
of them maybe like looking like holding hands but wasn't confirmed yeah. i just need a timeline real quick so okay this is all off the top of my head everyone so this is going to show you how like fucking in this i am so obviously she broke up with joe her partner um of six years and then i don't know how much later uh, like how much after that not that not that long after it maybe a few months maybe a few weeks bad timeline someone leaked to the sun um that her and maddie healy were dating and at that point i was like it's the sun these are really baseless claims like whatever this is just two two people that are especially hot right now on tiktok and someone's wanting to do some marketing wizardry and then it was like he's going to be at a nashville show now mind you maddie was in i think Manila or he was somewhere that was like 19 hours away and so he'd just played his last show got on a flight almost directly someone's worked out the times that he would have had like an hour or a few hours to like get off the plane get ready and then he shows up at Taylor's Nashville show stands in the celebrity tent I will also say Phoebe Bridges, one of his best mates, is opening for Taylor right now. So there's like right. a world where he's there to support Phoebe. He's mm-hmm. actually been playing on stage with Phoebe, playing the guitar for her. Um, but then people have come out and said Jack Antonoff has um, introduced them to each other. They're dating. They're madly in love. They sort of they met like back in 2014, I think. And they've both been seen wearing like each other's merch. Like they're big fans of each other. Right, that's cute. Yeah, pretty cute. Um, And then, so, then he's gone to every single tour. He's gone to, like, six shows now. He has been spotted, like, in an SUV with her, going back to her place. He's been spotted out for dinner, maybe holding hands with... um, with Taylor and Jack Antonoff was there too. He's been spotted with Blake Lively, with Gigi Hadid, like all her group of friends. He's been spotted with Mum and Dad Swift. So he's like in this. He's like also there's all these videos of him just like fucking loving himself at the shows, like really supporting, just really like. Wait, but was he always in this? Like was he hanging out with the Swift parents prior to no, this? No, he was not. So it's very like, you know. If the shoe fits, it's like looking like they definitely could be dating, they definitely could be together, or they definitely could be fucking, like she's in her reputation era, like go off. Lots of people rebound to a bad boy, you know, I'm like happy for them. And Maddie Healy, like I am a Maddie Healy apologist and I'm just like he's, if you actually listen to his interviews, he's fucking smart, really He's done some shit things and there's lots of podcasts and media that you can read talking about that. But I think they're kind of cool together. I think it's kind of edgy for her. I can't. Do you feel like there's lots of fan crossover as well? I feel like there is. There's also, I've been seeing these like unhinged Reddit posts from Taylor Swift Reddit that's like mental health check-in for now that Taylor's dating Maddie. Um... How are we all doing? I know it's like not what we wanted for her. It's the, it's like okay, we are not we cannot control these celebrities. They are in the same world. They'll understand each other on a level that none of us can understand. And totally, honestly, go off Taylor and Maddie. But that's like huge. So that's nice, Luz. We're I, calling it nice. I'm calling it nice for them and for me. Not for some of the Swifties and not for some of the 1975 fans, but whatever. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now, speaking of relationships. Laura, I was thought, what a beautiful segue, Lois. What are you talking to us about today, Dar? Well, everyone, it doesn't, have a, it doesn't have a title, but I feel like it ties up very nicely with this. Today we're talking about exes, we're talking about relationship, we're talking about some trickle-down therapy from an actual therapist, direct from the source. Um, Basically, a little bit of everything. So strap yourself in, Lucy, as someone who famously loves to talk about love and relationships. Lucy has famously been like, I don't want to say forced, but kind of like forced into this year looking at a lot of relationship stuff, hearing from a lot of you. And, like, also watching people in my real life go through different relationships and different breakups. And I will say I've learned a lot and I'm kind of loving it. I'm feeling, like, equipped now from someone who famously has never cared about relationships in her life. Well, friendships. Never cared about romantic relationships in her life. So love that we're continuing this education for me for what? (laughs) Well, it will all become apparent (laughs) one day. One day when I'm married and I'm like, wow, we have the perfect relationship. I'm sorry. It's because of all this learning I did in 2023. It's because Laura lives with me and she's on call 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we live anyway. in our cute commune together. Okay. Oh, okay. So I, um, a couple of years ago, I wrote this article and it was, well, it must have been more than a couple now because it was around Ariana Grande, thank you, next. It was around that time. What are we thinking? 2017, 2018? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, around then, anyway, I wrote an article and I asked a bunch of people to send me like why they're grateful for their ex, essentially. And I had no idea what was going to come in. I did articles like this quite a bit um, where I would kind of put a call out and see what would come back. And it would be I would publish it anonymously, but obviously I would know who sent it to me. So it was and a lot of the time it was like my friends. Mm. So it was like a non but also I felt like this really lovely agony aunt that just kind of knew everyone's problems. Um, and I did this call out because, and I asked people kind of, what are the words that come flooding back to you maybe years after a breakup, maybe days after a breakup and kind of put them together to show the broad spectrum of what we feel. And some of them were rage and some of them were like, I still love you. Like there was such a mix. And we actually did it in the newsy two weeks ago as well, um, for this podcast. And I think a lovely way to kick this off is I'm going to read some of them out because I think it really sets the tone. Um, this one says... Hey, it was a good few years. It's part of who we are. All things work out for good. We're now with the right people and we helped each other get there. So thank you for that. Thanks for not talking me down post breakup. I think all things considered, we ended well. And that's probably the most important thing. All the best. Oh, I love yeah. that. Thanks for not talking me down post breakup. Yeah. That is something we could all learn Because it's like a personally. hard thing to do when you're in the heat of the moment. Like just be, do everything with grace. I find that it's like very mature. And in a place like, I mean, it's probably different here in London. I'm not dating, so I don't know. But like in a place like New Zealand, you're bound bound to see people again. These people are going to come back around. They're going to be in your life for a long time in some way or form. And they'll tell people that you might date. You know, like they will tell someone and it's like, oh, well, I can't date them anymore because they think I'm a shit person thanks to my ex. But in this case, that's nice. Okay, let me give you another one. Fighting for your love was an exhausting and wasteful pastime. I think I was with you out of love and you were with me out of habit. 
your glass was always half empty and in the process of being together you were pouring out everything I had left in mine the thing is you weren't better than me let's be honest we both thought no you thought you were it took me being on my own to realize how much more lonely I'd felt when I was with you whoa okay I think what I love about that is just how raw it is and I feel like there's very few times like you know, there's movies where you write stuff down and you throw it in a fire or you like scrap up the letter and never read it to anyone. And, but very rarely do we get like insight into people's actual emotions and actual like. And in response to like a very public newsletter, yeah. that, like people were just being like, hey, let me, let me tell you my, my innermost thoughts. But I honestly, yeah, there's a lot that we're going to cover hopefully in this episode if we don't run out of time. But I think one thing is that if we have the strength to look back at past relationships that we've had, both romantically, but I think these could also be familial friendship. We talk about this a lot. Not everything's about romance. There's a lot of different ways to have intimacy. If we can have the strength to kind of look back at them and actually be that honest and not try to wrap it up with a nice bow, then we learn so much more than being like, no, I'm all good. Honestly, Mm. it's fine. And then it all comes out like five years later. Yeah, I hate – this is actually something we spoke about when I was like three mes cows in. Like even at the end of – and this is not related, but kind of related. At the end of like one of these chats that we had on stage at this panel, it was like, and now what's something positive that can come out of X? And one of the guys was like, why do we have to end every single thing with like a positive takeaway? Like sometimes we can just be critical and oh, like find a way forward, but there is like sometimes not always a just really toxically positive way to frame this or else we don't take it seriously. And I feel like that is what this person's done. They've been like, no, if I actually want to learn, then I have to say this like for what it is. And it wasn't the bee's name. Oh, I love that. There is, and I'm pretty sure I've quoted this before, but there's an Elaine Debaton, um I think it's a podcast episode where he talks about this and how I relate like romantic relationships are the only thing we see as a failure if they don't last like forever. Like everything else has like a limit on it, right? You're not going to be, you're not going to work until you die. Like you're not going to run a marathon. You stop it one day. I don't know. Like everything, everything ends like, and we like it finishes and you're like, great, that's success. I wrap that up. But relationships are the only thing where like, it's only a success if it never ends. Yeah. Maybe what we put, Term dates on relationships. Love that. Yeah, only allowed three. <laughs> Best years before. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read one more. I'm going to read one more because I love this one. <laughs> to my ex, I would like to say thank you and I'm sorry. Thank you for showing me the work I very clearly needed to do on myself to be better and I'm sorry I pushed you away to do it. I'll always regret not keeping you by my side like you always offered to do and for not fighting for us more like you wanted to and did. We're both in better places now, but I still wonder what if. I'd done it with you instead of without you. You were and always will be the one who got away. Oh, that's kind of... I love that's like that. a really heartbreaking thing to hear. Like, they knew that they weren't there yet, and then they have this one... I, I reckon the one that got away, like the movie Love, Rosie. Me, can't relate in real life because oh. I don't care that enough about anyone. But Love, <laughs> Rosie, I'm like... I'm like that film, I watch it, I think, once every six months, and I bore. I know. It just feels like – because, wait, spoiler, do they end up together in the end or not? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. See, in real life, you don't always have a nice bow of toxic positivity like oh. Love, Rosie. But, oh, that's a really amazing response. Oh, speaking of things that made me cry, just quickly, I I watched the Bridgerton spinoff um, oh. on the plane back. and I haven't even watched Bridgerton – normal i wouldn't like recommend but honestly the ending for me i was rupert looked over and he was like are you okay i think you're just sunburned i was sobbing oh, sobbing so <laughs> sorry 
like, you're like red in the face, darling. Are you? Just, <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. I was sunburned. So. <laughs> God. Um, anyway, those little X clips. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. And there's a whole bunch more that I think I'll put in the newsletter because I really love reading them all together. And it just shows the full spectrum of emotion we can feel about things. But in line with this article, I also wrote an article where I interviewed a relationship therapist and I asked her a bunch of questions. And so a lot of the stuff that I'm going to go through today is from that because it's literal trickle down therapy, which I love. Um, but she talks about the two myths about love that we buy into. The first is that the other person is the total key to my happiness and they owe it to me to make me happy. I am not responsible for my own happiness or maturity. This creates a sense of entitlement and is a cause for much frustration within relationships. Luce, thoughts? Um, I love that. Like it's, it, they are not responsible for your maturity or your happiness and you can't rely on them. Like it's got to come from you. I'm like the biggest proponent. I love that. You actually really are. I feel like that's very unlike. You don't need to learn that one. I feel like you know that. <laughs> Thank you. That's why I'm so good in, in romantic relationships. <laughs> I just know myself so well. <laughs> She's healed, everyone. She's healed. Us, just sarcastically. Well, mine was actually honestly telling you, wow, you're so healed. And you to me, it's like... It's like our catchphrase. You're so We're actually changing the name of the podcast, Healed. (laughs) Healed. No. Okay, and the the second lie, um, a lot of people believe that intimate happiness, so romantic happiness, is attained through a 50-50 ideal of equality and sameness. So basically wanting your partner to be the same person as you. This can lead to resentment and futile attempts to make our partner exactly the same as us and usually leads to being a killer of the relationships. Scorekeeping and self-protection if I feel my relationship is unfair. That one I absolutely love and there is so much I could say on this that we don't have time for today but I think the idea, there's again another Elaine de Batonco, I'll quote him a lot, but he talks about how the like fact of the matter is you are going to end up, if you want to end up with someone, the person you will end up with will probably be the wrong quotation marks person. Um, not in the sense that they treat you badly, of course, but in the sense that you can't be with someone who's exactly the same as you and that isn't a good mark of like a great relationship. I love that. On Love Island, when they're always like, you're like the girl version of me or you're like the boy yes. version of me as if it's like the best thing ever. I'm like, oh, my fucking God, I could never, like, be with someone that was like this. Me, I'm pointing at myself. That was like this. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Fuck that, being with the other person that was exactly like you. <laughs> I think there's, like, I'm I'm so torn on this because I do think, for instance, I'm quite extroverted. I'm super extroverted. And, like... Rupert is also like my partner is also extremely extroverted like we are probably and before we met people said to us you are the like versions of each other so I was like this will never work like this could (laughs) in theory in theory everything I've read is telling me (laughs) I was like we we will be like a will be competing for like all the friends in the room b will be out talking each other like I I thought I needed to be with like a broody. Um, yeah, let me change you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I needed to be yeah. with like a melancholic broody artiste yeah. who's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like who's that like I, you. I bring the... out of their shell. Yes, yeah. yes, and that like is not a what I want, and b not Rupert, and no. somehow it works. But we're different in so many other ways. So I also want to say that this isn't like. 
you can't date an extrovert. You have to date no. an introvert. Or like you're an Enneagram 4, don't date it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's the caveat that goes across all of these podcasts is like what we're saying are like very general myths and like they don't apply to every <laughs> single person. You could be with someone that's exactly like you and have the best fucking time in the world and honestly go off for that. <laughs> and honestly pop could up, be but it'll be different. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you find that with Rupert you um, – like you do fight for like the same like to be the like like best friend to all the friends or like the host or the hostess with the most or whatever like that's so weirdly and this is I hate this this has turned into like a corny thing so I'm sorry everyone but like weirdly it like has just yeah. doubled everything so like we will host yeah. everything at our house because we both. love to host things and like I'll be making dinner he'll be pouring drinks like you almost become like you just amplify it like (laughs) rather than battling rather than a competition yes but I think probably when we were dating probably definitely like (laughs) for sure hey shut up like they're my friends do not charm them right now literally (laughs) literally I think actually that's probably very true yeah no (laughs) honestly because I I can see I'm also obviously super fucking extroverted and I am drawn to people that maybe aren't so extroverted because I love making people feel comfortable and bring them out of their shell, whatever. But then if there's someone else in the room doing that, I don't often view it as like, sweet, both of us are like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, that's like what I usually, that's what I do. Like, let me talk to this person. Yeah, why why you... Not in like a toxic way, but I just can see what you're. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, it is so interesting, and I think. But then the benefit of that as well is like because you're both like that externally, genuinely. I don't know. I feel like you're very similar to me. Like we both retreat, right? And like we're energized by people, but we equally like I could curl up with a book for hours and just like get some space. But I'm also like <laughs> hate being alone, and so it's also great because I feel like I spend way more time just like doing nothing at home or whatever. Because Rupert's also there doing nothing. Yeah. Like even in separate rooms, but I'm like we're recharging, but like separately, but together. <laughs> That's where we differ. It's like I love to be alone. Um, I I like it probably more than being around people <laughs> that is but so she's very I'm, healed no I reckon that's like <laughs> I've over boundaried I've boundaried too close to the sun and I'm like yeah being around people such is an great eight. yeah I know such an eight such anyway an eight. Back anyway to being anyway thankful for your ex because right now we're talking about why you're thankful for your husband <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like we'll come up with the title of this podcast at the end. I feel like trickle-down therapy is probably more what it is. Yeah. It's around so – this is another quote which I'll lead into. Love is not about meeting someone to make you happy. That's just the romantic phase to get you bonded. Then pretty soon all relationships develop power and control battles that expose the need we have to grow up in an area. Now, this is something I took away from therapy that I find super, super interesting because I think it applies to – A, it applies to friendships as well as relationships, but also – you can just you see it playing out you see it in love island you see it in celebrity media like and it's the five stages of relationship that you will it's not like you go from a to b and you arrive at b and you're like oh my gosh i'm in a relationship like i'm with this person now we're here forever for the rest of your life in relationship you will go through this cycle Mm. but basically it's that the stages of a relationship are cyclical not linear so the stages it talks about emerge doubt and denial 
disillusionment, the decision, and wholehearted love. So merging. This is when two people meet and they feel like they have met their perfect match. They are so eerily compatible. I can't believe I've met the, you know, female version of myself or whatever. I want to be together with you. We have no boundaries. We merge together into one. You forget about your friends for a while. Like, it's the, you know, Love Island day three. Like, Mm -hmm. when they're saying, I can't believe that, you know, I found someone here. Um, and it's very like the rational part of your brain is essentially drowned out. You got a lot of endorphins going on. You're infatuated. Um, and I don't know how long this goes on for, but at some point in the relationship, the second stage will come in, which is doubt and that or doubt and denial in which we start to notice like little differences. We wake up from the trance of infatuation, things that once seemed really cute about them start to annoy you. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're starting to get the ick. Yes. Like there must be something wrong that they haven't seen yet. Yeah. Exactly. You're starting to get the ick. Particularly like this is one where things that you did love about them, you start to be like, oh, like um, someone who's super, super generous. All of a sudden you're like, gosh, that's so irresponsible. Like they're literally paying for drinks every single night for other people. Like what are they doing? Like Mm -hmm. um, they're super adventurous and you love that when you first started dating. But now you're like, this is really spontaneous. I feel a little bit unsafe. It's unnecessary. Um, And then the third stage is disillusionment. So this is like they call the winter season of love, um, which can feel like the end of the road for some couples. Basically, you've been like struggling in this power dynamic for a while and the issues have come to the surface. Everything you've put under the rug and be like, it's fine, it's fine. You can't ignore it anymore. And you kind of come to the fourth stage, which is the decision where you're at breaking point. And I think the thing with this is it's not like, um, this isn't like across eight weeks. This could be across like nine years that a couple goes over this, or they could go through this like two times in the stage of their relationship. Um, there's things like, what do people say? Like the seven year itch or something, the something itch. Got no idea. People say these things, but there's, there's stages when the chemicals in your brain start to wear off the chemicals that are like, we should bond together because we would be good together and we should procreate those start to wear off. And you come to this point where you're at a decision. You have to, you're having emotional breakdowns. You're leaving the house. You have to get away from each other. You basically are like, I'm either going to stay with you or I'm not. And then the final stage is the wholehearted love stage. This is all in quotation marks. Essentially, for couples who at that decision stage, you go, you know what? I'm going to push through. I'm going to, I decide to be with you despite knowing all this stuff about you. Then your relationship is at its healthiest. It's most rewarding. Like all the labors that you've gone through, you're like, oh my goodness, it was worth it. Like we're not perfect, but we work together. And then they go back to being infatuated stage one. Wow. And so the cycle continues for the rest of your life. That's such good advice in terms of it's not linear, like it's a cycle that repeats. I feel like if a lot of people were taught that in high school, it would make you see relationships so much like differently and maybe more healthily. And hold them way more lightly. Like the yes. number of times I had friends and myself being like, we're going on a break. We're going on a break. It's the be all end all. It's like, yeah, I'll hold it lightly. It's, it's like, a cycle. Okay. You're, yeah, yeah, you're actually just at this point again, and but then you'll be at this point again if you choose to be. I think that is such good, like, tangible shit that people, people, me, can take from this. It's something I've come back to a lot, both with, like, myself and my own life, with friends who are going through relationships and breakups, because also it's like how quickly you're going through that cycle 
is probably like if you are someone who's been sitting at that decision stage for like several years and you're like mm-hmm. every day is like oh I think we need to break up I think we need to, like probably just like do it yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. like, it's, it's like it should be moved. fluid yeah. exactly it should be fluid and it should be moving um, and I also think it's very pertinent for friendships as well because like you meet a new friend you're like oh my god you're the best person in the world I can't believe it this is amazing and like your friendship will go through hardships and things like that and all, they deepen as you go through those things and I don't think it's as like clear cut as a relationship where you're actively choosing to be with someone because as we've talked about before you don't choosing like friendship breakups and stuff are like something we don't really do like in this society but yeah I think if we can keep that in mind with our friendships as well, it's like not everything's summer. You're going to have a winter yeah. season, but it's going to come back around. Yeah, that's great. Great advice from whatever therapist. We love her. To you. <laughs> we love. And then part, coming of, like off the back of that, there's this idea, and we've talked about it a lot in our um, date the person who makes you cringe episode with attachment theory. Um, but this is around your like, I guess for lack of a better term, childhood wounds. That really makes me cringe that, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the idea that essentially the partner choices that you make can be based on an unconscious attraction to a subtle pattern matches that is familiar to how your earliest experiences of love, both familial and romantic love were. And kind of we are attracted to people who could possibly heal some of those unfinished, like emotional wounds and business of like childhood or like early adolescenthood. Mm. And so I won't talk about that too much because if you want to listen to it, I think go back to the episode where we talk about attachment styles and all that kind of stuff. But one thing that I thought could be a fun interaction activity, Luce, is to, and I I partly want to do it because I think you're going to hate it, is there is a type of dialogue called Imago Dialogue. Have you heard of it before? Never heard of it. (laughs) Never. This is really, really good. I actually first heard about it when I was um, working in retail and it was like how you deal with difficult customers. But it's also a like skill that they give you if you're ever in relationship counseling or like anything like that. It's kind of how to talk to someone and mirror them and then validate them and then treat them with empathy. And I personally can't think of anything worse than doing this with my partner. But I think if you were struggling with um, kind of some of these things that we've talked about where you've got something coming up and the other person's just not really hearing you, this is a really interesting thing to do. So the first part is mirroring. And this is where you basically repeat back everything that someone has said to you. And you could also do this if a friend's coming to you with something, if you're having a difficult friendship, breakup, conversation, whatever. Um... So, Luce, I want you to come to me and tell me something about your week that you found hard. I, for the past two mornings, have had to get up really fucking early. And by the end of the day, I feel emotionally out of whack because I'm too tired that I need to cry or something. Okay, so, Luce, what I'm hearing, and this is Meredith, what I'm hearing is that you woke up really early the past few days and that you feel like you might cry and that it's been really hard for you. Did I, did I get all that? Yeah, you nailed it. Well, yeah. And then the last stage, so that's like, essentially you mirror exactly what they said. You validate it by saying, did I get everything? Um, You really wait to them what they've just said and kind of ask them if anything was misunderstood. It's all about like visible cues as well. And then the third step is empathy. So the ability to understand and identify with their feelings, saying things like, I imagine that waking up early for the past two days and having to continue throughout your day can make you feel really exhausted. Is that how you feel? 
and showing kind of trying to put yourself in their shoes and the it is so wooden and I as you can tell I'm not very good at doing it because I just laughed (laughs) in Lucy's face which is the opposite of what you should do but (laughs) I think the main takeaway from this is that if you can remember to mirror someone, to validate someone and to like yeah. offer empathy to, in any situation, this is with your boss, this is with your colleague, this is with your friend telling you something, this is like any difficult conversation, this is with a shitty customer. Like these three things can genuinely change the direction of a conversation and make someone feel yeah. like they've actually been hurt. Like I don't, that honestly, when you were doing it properly, it didn't feel wooden. It like it felt like like a good thing that you could do, especially for people that don't like confrontation and need a framework to be able to, or like don't like offering advice. It's like a yes. good framework to be able to do it. So as much as it was like I gave a pretty shitty like thing for you to work off and then you laughed at me and then we got to the nitty gritty, <laughs> like I still feel like it's that's really good advice. It is. Re- and I think the, like, a, the main way it's meant to be used is if you are in a relationship with someone perhaps who uh, – or you're dating someone or whatever who you are really, really different and you just cannot seem to see eye to eye, having a framework like this, while it is kind of wooden and like beige, can actually help you to understand where the other person is coming from because it's almost impossible to not hear someone when you're having to repeat back to them like seven times what they've just said to you. Yeah, you really are. That's actually really fucking good for people that you're just like, you're just not getting this, let's try this. Exactly, exactly. Try it with your employer, see how it goes. So everyone, maybe that can be on your radar. And honestly, I know that me and Laura didn't give a very good example of it, but that's how you can practice it like with your friends. It's how you can get comfortable if you have to go and have that convo with your partner or something. You can practice it and laugh at each other and then be like, right, but I am ready to do this properly now. One hundred, And also, you know someone I think it would work really well on? Parents. Yes. I feel like this is something you could do with like, a parent that yeah. you don't quite know how to talk to about something, you know, they like to repeat yeah. things. Grandparents, <laughs> pop off everyone. Just play them this podcast and be like, guys, we need to do this. <laughs> and then they will really, like, try explaining this to a Victorian child. Like, this. <laughs> try explain. Honestly. <laughs> anyway, that, that could be on your radar this week, everyone. What else is on your radar, Luce? On my radar, we've launched a book club and I it starts in June. And the book Laura has read, it's Romantic Comedy oh. by Curtis Sittenfield. Laura, um, without giving spoilers, good good book? or Perfect. I came on this podcast and I said, who's got book recommendations for me? And first of all, thank you everyone who sent me them. I literally read four books when I was a milker and they were all fabulous. But Romantic Comedy is probably the perfect summer holiday beach read. It made me want to read a lot up on like Saturday Night Live, which I had never had a desire to do before. And I've downloaded like two biographies since then. So stay tuned. Oh my God. Okay. So yes, um, that's for all our Cisco supporters. And it's like, you know, going to be going for ages. So you can drop in and drop out whenever you want. Or if there's a book that you're really into, we also have discount codes. We want to make it really as easy as possible for you to get your hands on these books. And we just want to make reading fun again when there's so much to choose from, like, book-wise and media-wise. Let's choose one book a month, eh? Let's all I do love that. that. Laura, I what is that. on your radar, Dal? Well, on my radar this week was romantic comedy. Um, I also read Book Lovers. 
um, which is part of, there's like a, uh, I'm going to forget, I think her name is Emily Henry and she's got a whole bunch of books called like Happy Players, Book Lovers, and they all have very similar covers, but they're all genuinely perfect beach reads, um, which I would recommend. And then also on my radar, which I talked about a bit before, was the <laughs> Bridgerton spinoff that had me sobbing on the plane. Um, for all of you who enjoyed Bridgerton, I enjoyed this way, way more. Um, Ooh, okay. it's about Queen Charlotte. It flicks between like young and old. It was, I enjoyed it far more than Bridgerton and I sobbed at the end. So that is a great wreck, especially for someone like me that tried to watch Bridgerton and it just didn't land. So yeah, I would, I would recommend it. It's, it was like an easy watch five episodes on the flight back kind of vibe. Love that. Maybe I'll watch it on my flight to Sydney tomorrow, but probably not. I probably won't reach for that. Might have to read my book club book. Um, but on that note, I must go and run. Laura, you must go and take some antibiotics or something. (laughs) And it's just been joyous, as per usual, everyone. As per usual. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.